It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast with your host that I never really introduce because Joe kind of does it, Jake Lesko and Joe Goodberry. You know all about us. You can find the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. Tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Bengals when you get in your car, and we'll keep you company on the way to wherever it is you're going. Got some more bad news today, Joe, did you? In your direct mentions, Joe Goodberry is going to break some news on this podcast, and we're going to update the Jonah Williams situation. Joe, I'll give yeah. you the floor. I don't know if it's breaking news because I kind of tweeted it out, but then um, once I did, and I I like to wait until two people say something. You know, I'll, I'll mention something if one person gives me some information, but then two people did right off of the Jonah Williams um, conversation was that Clint Bowling is done, and um, I didn't push any further than that. I can kind of infer what it meant. But then today uh, I got more information that it is a medical situation that they found a couple months ago and that uh, Clint Bowling, it sounds like that's it. It's his career. So unless something changes drastically, I don't know. I, you know, I didn't go when it gets to medical. I just, you know, if they say he's done, he's done. I'm not going to I'm not going to go any further into it um, with them or even with for us. But that that sucks, you know, and to hear that right off the news of, of Jonah Williams, but the team knew about it. The team was prepared. That's why Cordy Glenn was going to left guard. That's why uh, John Jerry was signed as soon as Jonah Williams got hurt. So although we are hearing of it way later than the team does, that's how it typically works. It's not that they're hiding it from us. It's they're trying to do the right thing. They're also hiding it a little bit. Do they have to share it, though? No, they they don't have any obligation to report injuries or any of that stuff right now. They're they're not doing anything wrong. It's not what I'm saying, but they are hiding it. I think from like a PR perspective, they have tickets to sell. That's true. I mean, if you lose both Jonah Williams and Clint Bowling, which now they have in in a two day period of time, which now they have in terms of the news cycle, it, it's going to potentially be not so hot for their uh, for their ticket sales. Yeah, that's not a great stretch because I, I think we all thought and and maybe still did think of Clint Bowling as the best Bengals lineman. Um, so losing him and then losing the highest traffic on the line and Jonah Williams, you really have sapped away um, some talent, uh, the, the most talent on, on this offensive line that, frankly, um, looks not great on paper anymore. And not that it did before, but it really looks not great. 
And I had a conversation with Paul Danner today because he said Jonah, or not Jonah Williams, Cordy Glenn didn't play great in 2018. And I sort of disagreed, but it's kind of a semantic dis- disagreement. We talked a lot about Cordy Glenn yesterday and his PFF grades on a by-game basis. He was good when he was healthy, and he had a couple of very, very good games. But when he started to play a little dinged up, his performance really suffered. And that's just a reality of of his condition at this point in his career. He's approaching yeah. 30. He's had three seasons now in a row where he's had banged up chronic kind of injuries not fluke injuries even like Tyler Eifert but stuff that's just recurring like back foot ankle kind of stuff things that will happen is more than likely right going to recur and come back and so how long can he stay healthy that'll determine how well he plays essentially this season at left tackle because if he's healthy He's capable of being a top, what would you say, top 12 tackle in yeah, the NFL going back to that. 2015? Yeah, that's what I, I would have said in the top um, half of the league for left tackles. So that's that's good. You can win with that. And in 2015, just to be clear, he was in the top probably five yes. of tackles in the NFL. He was very, very good. And since then, he's battled injuries. Right. And so they need him to be that form. We talked about this yesterday. Uh and really, that comes down to then, he's your left tackle, Bobby Hart's your right tackle. Like we said, there's no backup tackle, really. And we've even questioned Justin, maybe Clint Bowling can be that, whatever's the deal with him. But now that we know that's not the case, uh, it really shines a light on the need for them to find that, that third swing tackle. Uh, but left guard now is the conversation, right? Is it just John Jerry? Is it Can Christian Westerman finally grab that spot? Is it going to be Trey Hopkins? Can we is is now on the table a move for Billy Price to go back to guard and, and you play someone else at center. Uh, I, just, I think everything should should and could be explored. I don't know if moving Billy Price is going to be their first, like, three options. I think option one is going to be uh, John Jerry or Christian Westerman. Christian Westerman was getting the first team snaps just after Jonah went out and they moved Cordy Glenn back out to tackle. So whether that's a product of John Jerry not being in shape yet or if that's a product of Christian Westerman is actually their next guy up at left guard, we'll right. find out at training camp. So right. it's, it seems like it's one of those two guys first. And then I think you mentioned Trey Hopkins would be probably the next choice before right. they think about moving Billy Price. And that probably depends also on Michael John, uh, Michael Jordan, not Johnson, uh, and how quickly, because we've seen him taking snaps, and maybe they give a lo- him a little bit more than that. you got to think if you're gonna who you're going to activate and who's going to be the, that backup center if Trey Hopkins is starting at left guard, right? right. So Jordan's got to be able to step in and do that. Or you can move Hopkins because he has that versatility in-game. You move him back to center and you plug would. in. Yeah, I think so, too. And then you plug in the next guy at left guard, whether that is John Jerry, by this time Alex Redman or Christian Westerman. Right. And And everyone's hoping that the best thing that comes out of this is Christian Westerman gets a chance for extended playing time and continues to do what he's done, really, when he's been on the field. He's graded excellently with pro football focus when he's been on the field. So if he can get back out there and do it again, again, we've we've talked about this a lot. Do do the Bengals get Evan Mathis right this time? That's the best-case scenario. And not only just the grades, too, and he's effective when you watch him on tape. He's also a spark plug. He destroys people, and he moves people, and he fights, and he's nasty. And I want that on this line. And I think they could use a little bit of that. So, um, And I think that goes with Jim Turner, so maybe that gives him a chance, right? It, it certainly could. It, it's interesting that he didn't really – we didn't hear anything about him until he got those first team reps yep. in the last week when, like, there was even the day the veterans got off. 
Right. Um, so this was a mandatory mini camp when when he got his reps, and before that, remember he wasn't there that first week. Right. That's right. So I think we kind of just didn't get words week two because they only had one open practice to the public, right. or I should say to the to the media. And it was and then, still it was still Glenn yeah. and and Jonah at that point. Right. We were talking about that, and I don't even think they were interested in finding out other combinations until Jonah got hurt. So so speaking of Jonah Williams here. Because I think we've talked about what we expect to happen at those two positions at this point. Yeah. Pro football doc, whose name now escapes me. Uh, Joe. Is that his name? Yeah, C-H-A-O. Oh, yeah. David David Cho, David Chow, one of those two. Anyway, he, he is a physician, former NFL head team doctor for 17 years, practicing orthopedic surgeon, writes for the LA Times San Diego Tribune about injury stuff, football injury stuff, and he wrote a piece on Jonah Williams today because that was pretty much the biggest news in the NFL this week. Our podcast did great yesterday. Oh, really? Good. Yeah, we we had a big day. Everyone's clamoring to find out how dismayed we are. Right, Uh, for Jonah Williams. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so he talks in this article. It's over at the San Diego Tribune. You can check it out. You can follow him at ProFootballDoc on Twitter. And the hypothesis that he presents is that it's likely that Williams had a labral issue in college. There's a specific shoulder strap that's pictured in the article that is only worn, according to this, this physician, to stabilize shoulders when the labrum is already torn. It's very uncommon or not done at all according to dr cho or chow that the the shoulder straps are not used prophylactically to prevent injury according to the article right it's already when something happens it's there's a partial tear or a full tear and you're playing through it because labrum tears i think for offensive linemen extremely common full tears that require surgery to fix probably not as common but you see the shoulder strap all over though you see, you know, a lot of, of players play through it. Yeah. And so I wonder, my first question was, well, you know, did, why, didn't, why didn't anybody talk about this before? He was always billed as this guy that had a clean bill of health, no medical flags. Were there medical flags we just didn't hear about? Is that why sure. he slid to the Bengals? Right. If that's called a slide. For, for the top tackle in the draft, usually that would be called a slide going at 11. Yeah, I would say so. And, right, part of being available is playing through injuries and being tough and maybe he was kind of praised for it you know if it was known oh yeah he had a shoulder tear but it didn't bother him and and he played through it and he was still super effective because he was uh, I think a lot of teams and coaches would say yeah that's great okay you're gonna have to do that in the NFL all the time so uh we want that you know we want that type of guy as long as the the docs say he'll be fine he won't miss any time uh, which we know uh, different medical staff and everything in Cincinnati, but we know they've made mistakes or have lo- overlooked things in the past, and maybe that happened again, or maybe maybe Jonah heard it even further in, in minicamps. Yeah. And, and he compares this to the Shaq Lawson situation in 2016. He was drafted mm-hmm. by the Bills. He said he didn't need shoulder surgery. He aggravated the injury, and then he had surgery. So it could be very similar where – he was fine. He was set to yep. play through it. It was, you know, slowly healing as that sort of tissue does in the body. And and then he just, you know, he got jarred the wrong way. And I, I also compare it to A.J. McCarron's deal. You remember that? 
he shows up, he's at rookie minicamp, and he throws, and then they shut him down. Well, we knew and he they, was hurt, though. We didn't know at the time. We knew right, th- right then after rookie minicamp that he was hurt. I thought we and, knew he was hurt in college. No, because that's why they didn't get the extra year of eligibility. Because he won the argument that he hurt it in minicamp. And the yeah. Bengals argued that you hurt that in college. Because he did hurt it in college. I he see. even said he hurt it in college. Um, but the, his argument also that it was that he was eligible to return during the year and they did not return him. So he should have been able to accrue a season. So if yeah. the Bengals wanted to look at this and say, well, Jonah, we, we think you hurt this in, in college. This was a pre-existing injury. Well, they would know. They have MRIs from the combine. Right. That's what I mean. They could win this case, but he could say, well, I was I, I practiced. That would be the argument. I practiced. I heard it even further. And, um, you know, so I wonder if they will go that route or even test it to try and get that extra year of um, him being under a contract. Well, that is a topic for the Lockdown Bengals podcast in five years or so. Yep. Just something to be aware of. I, I don't even know how that would work for a first round pick because of the, the fifth round, fifth year, the fifth year option and the CBA is changing, although it wouldn't apply to guys already in the league most likely. Anyway, well, that, I would make them restricted. You'd only pay him or exclu- or exclusive, right? So that fifth year, instead of paying him 10 and 12 million, whatever it would be, you would pay him does that a tender. Work? Does that work for first round picks though? I don't know. That, that, I don't gonna, know that's we need Andre Perota for this. We need somebody. <laughs> Uh, that is going to wrap up our segment on the depressing state of the Bengals offensive line. Joe, nothing else. Good. Excellent. We'll be back momentarily to talk about the countdown to kickoff. We got two more guys to talk about today. One of them is an offensive tackle. Woo. Maybe he'll find a way onto the team because of the stuff going on. We'll be right back. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And just like that, we're back in your ear and we are talking about uh, Jordan Willis and Keaton Sutherland. Our, our two players for the countdown to kickoff, numbers 75 and 74. Jake what uh, what day are we actually on though? Are we almost caught up? Oh man, I wasn't ready for this. Oh, I thought you knew. You you looked at it yesterday. You take one day off from what yesterday was. I don't. I'm a goldfish. Okay, two days off from two. That days makes ago. it that makes it harder. Hold up, I got it. Here right. we go. Seventy three days today. Mm, so we're almost there. Seventy three days and twenty one hours. That doesn't seem right. We'll go with it. Oh, yeah, 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 because I put the kickoff time or something. Anyway, yeah, 73 days. Cool. So tomorrow we'll be caught up to where we're supposed to be. I don't know how countdowns work. Don't hold what this do against mean? me. Because is, is it the thing where you have to, like, add an extra day or whatever? Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, because actual, ki- actual kickoff day is going to be zero. You know what zero messes me up similarly? Hours. Is when they say it's, like, the fifth, 50th year of the Bengals. And I'm like... And I'm doing, and it'll say 19, you know, 63, and then it'll go, it'll be 2018. And I'm like, wait, 
you know, and they'll say it's 45 years, or it should be 45 years, and it'll be 2017. You know what I'm saying? It'll be off yeah. one year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when I look at it, I'm, it confuses my brain. Even just saying it confused me. Yep. Anyway. So is, that, is that what you're dealing with? Yeah, that's what I was dealing with. Jordan Willis is number 75 for the Bengals. He tested much better than anyone thought he might have at the yeah. NFL Scouting Combine in 2017. Yep, 2017 out of Kansas State. He played in 48 games with 39 straight starts his last three years. Considered one of the top defenders in Kansas State history. Third yeah. in Kansas State history and seventh in Big 12 history with 26 sacks. Super he had productive. 40 and a half tackles for losses. Uh, pretty, pretty impressive college numbers from a productivity standpoint. Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. All team Big 12, of course. Big 12 Defensive Lineman of the Year. Third team All American. On tape, he was a bit stiff. A bit robotic. I think there were issues with his uh, technique. And you, like you said, he tested really well. And everyone was like, whoa, I guess he is an athlete, but he doesn't always show it. Sometimes he looks a little stiff coming around the edge. Yeah. And um, I mean, I think and he it was doesn't just... have the refinement the way that, that Carl Lawson has the pass right. rush moves. In the exact same draft, Carl Lawson and him were great comparables because one guy tested super agile and didn't look like it. One guy tested um, like he wasn't agile. But yet you see him winning with agility. Also, I'm talking about Carl Lawson. And Lawson obviously has the power and the moves. But we'll talk about him when we get to that number. Anyway, so uh, Jordan Willis, I remember. Fun fact before we get into football, as is tradition. Okay, fine. He is one of 11 children. That's amazing. I have a good friend from from school and work who who is one of 10 children, I think. Yeah, my mom was one of 10. He was number seven out of 11. Jordan Willis or your friend? Jordan Willis. Okay. That's can it. I go to got, yeah. Okay. We could we talk about football now. Right. I remember when people, the conversation was the surprise of him testing the way he did. And it was Justice Mosqueda. He uh, works in the CXFL now. I'm sorry. And he does uh, a worksheet in every draft year. He does something with force rushers, math rushers, he calls them, where um, he's really into edge rushing prospects of what it comes down to. And he uses analytics and performance to come up with a list of guys that he believes should have a, a high impact in the NFL. And I believe Jordan Willis is one of them. And he talked about Willis's footwork coming around the corner and, and trying to win around the arc and that he's losing almost all of his athleticism. And so if he tested this way, it's in him. He just has to work on the on these few finer points and it should be unlocked. He was very, he was really high on him. We haven't gotten to see that. I mean, really, the Bengals have used him as in run defender for most of his career. I think he's almost at 50-50 for run defense snaps and pass rush snaps, which is weird for a defensive end edge guy. That's like nose tackle type stuff. So he doesn't get the opportunities. He hasn't had them. I think he's been a little frustrated by it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden we're in November, December, and we're like, you know, Willis has gotten opportunities. Maybe somebody's gotten hurt in front of him, and he's played well. I think it's in him. I think it's going to happen. But I do think on tape I was a little turned off by him coming out. I like Carl Lawson better than Willis, and I was really happy they ended up getting Lawson. But uh, I remember comparing Willis to Marcus Hunt because I thought he would need some time. And unlike Hunt, he wasn't 28 years old as a rookie, so he, had, he would have that time. But I thought he might be a late bloomer. So I'm kind of hoping we're not counting him out just yet. This would be the year. Yeah. 
He is now 24 years old. There are some guys in the draft this year that were 24 years old. Yeah. His rookie year, he was used almost, well, not quite almost twice as much, but he had 70 more snaps as a run defender than a pass rusher, 212 run defense snaps and 144 pass rushing snaps. He graded out very well as a run defender his rookie year. Yeah. His second year, he had 295 pass rush snaps to only 240 run defense snaps. Mm -hmm. Like you said, close to 50-50, but a shift still from his rookie year, I think probably because of injuries. Yeah. Yeah, because Lawson went out. And right. so those are that's a big chunk of pass rush snaps. Exactly. And did not perform well as a pass rusher. Was actually yep. worse his second year as a pass rusher, worse his second year as a run defender, and had some missed tackle issues. Yep, sophomore slump for sure. I hope he bounces back. Yeah, I, I, and there's reason to be optimistic. The athleticism oh, yeah. is there and the youth is there. So just like with wide receivers, with Tyler Boyd, for example, he was young when he came into the league, had production. There, there's reason to believe that there's production to come from Jordan Willis. Yeah, and like, it, like Boyd, you know, had that second year where it was like, eh, you know, I don't really know what we have. We're kind of counting them out in camp. We were doing that with Boyd besides that, you know, that Ravens game at the end. Um, but Willis, yeah, if new eyes on him, new set, new coaches, maybe he gets a new role and maybe he gets a new opportunity. Maybe he gets a new fire under him. And I don't think it's a lack of effort or fire. So I don't want that to be taken the wrong way. But uh, just saying, you know, roll the dice again. And hopefully in year three, he, he can be productive. He blocked a punt. I don't remember that. Uh, in... 2017, he blocked a punt against Indianapolis, which led to a Bengals game-winning field goal. No, not game-winning field goal, just a field goal. No, because that was Carlos Dunlap intercepting Jacoby uh, Jones. Jacoby Jones? Jacoby... That's not Jacoby Jones. No. What was his name? What's his last name? I don't remember now. I mean, either. I might not even be... Brissette. Yep, Brissette. Look at that. You're ready to move on. (laughs) Oh, man. It's funny how those things kind of just pop into your brain. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, no, I don't right. remember the block punt, though. I, I, I bet we could uh, type that in Twitter and find it. But, yeah. That's all for Jordan Willis, I think. That is. I hope he gets more D-tackle snaps. Tackle snaps? I do. I, right. I think he's only about 265, maybe 270. Uh, maybe he shows up a little bigger. But I think with his size, with his stiffness, with his power, he'd be good inside. And maybe Kerry Wynn can show him a few things, and, and maybe that's a good marriage. You keep not talking that they about Kerry Wynn like he's going to be good. I'm not saying Kerry Wynn's going to be good. I want Jordan Willis to take those snaps. Or Sam Hubbard. I don't care who it is. But right. I think Kerry Wynn's going to be the one in that role until those other guys show they can do it. He's not going to be very good at it. So next on the list is Keaton Sutherland. He wears 74 for the Bengals. He wore 78 at Texas A&M where he was coached by Jim Turner, I want to say. I, yeah. think he, I think it's the guy that's now coaching the Bengals' offensive line. Isn't that weird? Man, yeah, it's, it's a weird coincidence. He's 6'5", listed 6'5", 315. He uh, is from Texas, played four years at Texas A&M, was a U.S. Army All-American in high school. Hmm. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Nothing else. Four-star prospect. <laughs> Chose Texas A&M over Arkansas, Miami, Oklahoma, and Texas. So highly recruited wow. in the Big 12 and uh, the ACC. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, he's big, so, you know, but he had his picks. He had his pick. He had his uh, options. Yeah, the U.S. Army All-American, this is the second time we've talked about one of those. 
What do you mean? We we another guy we talked about was a U.S. Army All American. I don't remember who. Hmm. All right, I'll take your word for it. He he became a full time starter left guard as a freshman. Okay. Uh, let's see. He was a guard in 2016. Played both guard positions. And then was he a guard just all the way through? When did he start playing tackle? He's listed as a tackle by the Bengals on the on the team website, but he might just be. Oh no, there it is. He started at right tackle at UCLA in 2017 but that might be his only tackle start in college i can't actually find it. one tackle start i'm going to continue to look and so he's just going to play the maybe like his own o-line coach was like oh i misused you you're definitely a tackle in the pros no right <laughs> that's that's probably not the case that, so i wonder if pff nope. has anything on him as a guard then i i, I don't know well that's just me thinking out loud then as a sophomore, he has two pictures on the Texas A&M website that he used the same one from sophomore through senior years. Okay. And he looks like a, a grown man as a 19-year-old boy. His freshman picture, he looks like a boy. That's why he's highly recruited. Oh, okay. So then, one year. Yeah. One year of pro, of uh, NCAA programming, Division One. Yeah, he got, he got, he no, got he's the beard a man. going. He got the beard going. Oh, the beard makes the man. I see. It definitely looks that way to me. He well, played the East-West Shrine game. Okay. Uh, let's see. Sutherland. So did Travion Williams. Nope, he didn't. Just kidding. I'm... <laughs> so maybe... I know nothing about Sutherland. And no. maybe I, you know, I watched Travion Williams, and he, actually the run game was pretty effective there, and Jim Turner was the, was the coach. But uh, they had a lot of different schemes and, and designs. Coach Minnick from uh, Minich from Cincy Jungle had a good article on it. You could probably go get, find some Sutherland blocks in that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, if you go look at Trevion Williams, you can probably find Keaton Sutherland wearing seventy eight in college. Seventy eight. So that's what you go. That's your homework, guys, for the night. Not really. Oh, I know we're giving out this. homework. Oh no. I'm not gonna go watch him. I I, re- I can't find him listed as a tackle anywhere. And normally I'm extremely interested in stuff like that, but I think I'll wait for the preseason because I, I feel the Bengals probably should sign a veteran tackle at some point here. Yeah, so maybe we should talk about that tomorrow. Yeah, get I'm not some ready free agents. Today. We got to see who's out there. There are people floating trade names. and Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll look at that and we'll get a list of uh, – because there are some people out there. Yeah, they yeah. they've got to bring somebody in. So he he had thirty two and three quarter inch arms apparently. So he's probably a guard. He's a guard. Yeah. There you go. We found an. I don't know why he's listed as a tackle on the Bengals website. That's weird. The Bengals list some guys in weird positions. That who was do. it earlier? Christian Ringo at the end. No, it was Andrew Brown at tackle. And, oh yeah, no, you're right. Andrew Brown at tackle and Ringo at end. Okay. Even though Ringo has like 10 pounds on Brown or something. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that will wrap up our countdown to kickoff for the day. We're almost caught up. We'll catch up tomorrow. Does that math work out? Tomorrow's going to be 72. We'll have have, set. Yeah, we'll be on 72. I think the math works, but then we have a weekend and we're behind again. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's fun. Shoot. (laughs) We'll be right back to take a couple of fan questions and 
Paul Dater had a really interesting bit in his This Week in Bengals on TheAthletic.com that touches on some themes we've been talking about this week in terms of Bengals history. So we'll talk about that in addition to a few of your questions right after the break. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And segment three is underway. Jake and Joe, Locked On Bengals podcast. And those are all Jake, facts. Those are all facts. That's all we do here. Straight facts. Straight F-A-X. facts. And facts.com. Is that a real thing? It's got to be. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jake, what were you reading today? You said you read something good from Paul Denner. Yeah. Along the theme of, of Bengals that potentially have a Hall of Fame argument, James Brooks had some pretty gaudy numbers, especially his four best years. He talked about Paul Daner is the he. Paul Daner broke down the 10 best trades in the last 40 years of, of Bengals histories with, with Jay Morrison on The Athletic. And the top trade, according to, the, to those two, is Pete Johnson for James Brooks. James Brooks, arguably the best running back in Bengals history. Somebody we haven't talked about when talking about who to compare Joe Mixon to. Because we talk about Corey Dillon, who is the modern best running back in Bengals history. But James Brooks, if he was in the NFL today, will be absolutely tearing it up. He would be so better than So does Christian that make McCaffrey. him the modern best Bengal? Maybe. He is... So, so if you had to name running backs with the most seasons, with at least 4.8 yards per carry and 9.8 yeah. yards per reception, who comes to mind? LaDainian Tomlinson. Nope, not on the list. Not on the list. Larry Centers. Nope. Well, there's 100 passes. There's apparently 15 guys tied with two seasons of doing this, but but neither of those names are here. Okay. So they had to have caught. See, all right. I'm going to say Jamal Charles. Yep. He had three seasons. Yeah, he had to have. Yeah. Um, CJ Spiller. Not on the list. Hmm. He had one really crazy year. I thought he might be in there. Well, so this goes down to guys that had two. So some of the other names here. Are Barry Sanders, Herschel Walker, okay. Marshall Falk all had two seasons of doing oh, it? Oh, Marshall Falk, of course. Just Marshall Falk, who had like the greatest, right? The greatest running slash receiving year, yeah, arguably. Uh, Tiki Barber, that's a very surprising mm-hmm. name for me. Tiki Barber did it three times. I didn't know he was that good as a receiver. I wonder how many catches he had those years. Is James Brooks like Tiki Barber in the in the? What what do you call this in the history of the NFL? Like in the, I don't think so, but I don't do know. Mean? I don't know how good James Brooks was. Everyone just says, "Oh, he was really super good, and he could so, catch, and he was shifty." Other guys on this list: Walter Payton did it three times, Jamal Charles did it three times, Sherman Smith did it three times, and Thurman Thomas did it three times. Oh, Sherm Smith, huh? Don't know who that is. All these guys, though, historically great running right. backs. Hall of Famers. Yeah. James Brooks did it four times, which is more than any of these guys. Well, and that's I, why I asked if he's Tiki Barber, because Tiki's not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I No, I know. Yeah, you're right. He he didn't do it with volume, though. 
He he okay. was like around a thousand yards rushing, and he had two seasons at you know six to seven hundred yards receiving. Those are good years, especially they're now. Years. They're great right. years then in the eighties. Well, I think they're more impressive now. I think they're more impressive then because the, the, nobody was really doing it then. Now that okay, he would, now his numbers would probably be better because he'd get more volume. I mean, but now you got like five guys that rush for a thousand yards. So if he gets nine hundred to a thousand, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. You know, fair. so yeah, he'd get more volume receiving. So the receiving is more impressive then. Yeah, yeah, I think to be able to run yeah. and catch th- that yeah. well now would be impressive. But I mean, this is this is Christian McCaffrey stuff with a lot fewer catches, yeah. a right. lot less volume, less volume. Right. Less this volume. is something that Joe Mixon could aspire to. Oh yeah, but and he could do it. The 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 thing that he points out is that Marshall Falk's nineteen ninety nine season is the only other season by a running back to get at least 12 yards per reception with at least 50 catches and five yards per carry with at least 200 carries. I think of Marshall Falk and Ladanian Tomlinson's, what was it, Tomlinson, like 06 or whatever. Um, those two years for me as running back, like highest regard. Oh, I guess Adrian Peterson coming back from the ACL too, where I just think of, you know, from my NFL memory um, that those yeah. were just the most insane years. And, and you got to put apparently – James Brooks, 1986, right up there with those guys. Wow. He So just, just to take the balance of this, that's 259 touches for 1,700-plus yards. I need the film breakdown, Jake. Well, we I would love to watch 1986 James Brooks film. That would probably be a lot of fun. There's a couple games on YouTube, full games. 1986, let's go watch them. Maybe not 86, but there are 80s games. There's one with the uh, Freezer Bowl, the Ken, uh, Ken Anderson, Dan Fouts games right. in there. Yeah. Frozen anyway, mustaches for everyone. That that's the that's the the James Brooks conversation for today. Statistic anomaly: James Brooks, who did some pretty crazy things in terms of being a hybrid running back. So you ready for questions? Then let's do questions. We'll do three. Yeah, you go first. I don't know where we're starting. Okay, I've got one. We'll start with one football question and then um, two others just for fun. So I'll start with the football then. Okay. This is, this comes from Peter Dadswell at Dadders. He says, um, let's pretend there is a new NFL team coming. The expansion draft is at the end of next season. So 2020? Uh-huh. Or does he mean 2019? We get, we should decide. Um, which five Bengals players do you put up for selection? Bear in mind the expensive contracts we hope to avoid and the rules. No kickers and punters. No players set to become free agents. And no players who just spent the entire year on injured reserves. So no Jonah Williams. Um, only one player with 10 or more years of experience. So you got to pick five guys from the Bengals roster so to offer do, up. Let's do the end of this year. Yes, to make it because I can't even think of who's going to be a free agent in two years, so yeah. I want to. I don't want to have to avoid that. So this means that we can't do like Bobby Hart because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, or is it? No, he his contract isn't. He's not a. Oh, he's he, not a three year deal, isn't he? Yeah, you could put Bobby Hart up. Bobby Hart for sure. That's I'm running Bobby Hart up there. Take do you him remember away. when the Texans did this? No, I don't. It, it, the Madden that year was so fun. You could do this in yeah, Madden. Yeah. You could pick five guys to throw up for them, and they might pick three of them or four of them or whatever the case may be. But I remember Tony Baselli from the Jags going 
going up. And everyone was like, oh, my. Is he done? Is he hurt? Hmm. So, yeah, Bobby Hart, I'm with you there. How long, how long is on Hardy Nickerson's contract? Right. He's probably not. It's got to be like one year left because he was an undrafted guy. He's going into his third year? How Did he get a four-year deal or a three-year deal? Those guys are, t- I want to say normally three-year, and then you have the exclusive at the end. Um, you can pull it up on Track or on overthecap.com. But uh, I was going to say, is Giovanni Bernard with two years left? Because if he is, I might nominate Gio after this year. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to pull it up. Okay, so I'll say I'll think of other guys. Drake Kirkpatrick. That's a good one. So 2020 free agents, guys that are free agents at the end of next year, okay. who I assume will be eligible. Geo's one. Okay, so we can't use him. So I think you can. Or, I, no, because 2020 free agency is next year. No, no, no. He's a free agent after 2020. After 2020. Yeah. So 2021 free agent. So we can use Gio. Yeah. Okay. And you could also use Kerry Wynn if you wanted okay. to. All right. Um, I don't see very many 2020 free agents that I want to put up. 2021, you could do Cordy Glenn if, you, if you're at the end of this year. Sure, if he doesn't to, perform to, well. To shed that $12 million contract, and he's under contract through 2021. Right, and these got to be guys that you're not going to get anything for either in a trade. And and if if you're yeah, I think Cordy Glenn is not returning very much in a trade at this point. Right, and it's looking much more and more like a, a good trade for the Bills that we thought was a pretty good trade for both parties. Well, if they end up with their franchise quarterback, no doubt about it. Yeah. If Josh Allen is their guy in Buffalo, Bengals screwed up. Yeah, um, I don't know who else I'm putting on this list. Well, I was Jordan, just thinking Jordan Evans. Sure, it, right. It'd be a draft pick like that. That you are. Um, it could be like Andrew Brown if he's still on the roster, uh, you know, and isn't doing anything. You would want to put a few of those guys on there. Drake Kirkpatrick is a good one from a cap perspective. If they yeah. wanted to shed that money, if they wanted right. to shed money, then you do Dre and Cordy Glenn. Yep, and Bobby Hart. And Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart's under contract through twenty twenty two. Yeah kill me and then uh you could put up Devonte harris you know it's hard to project it because you would want to see how these young guys play first but yeah. it would be the, the last couple spots would be something like that how about preston brown sure after this year it's we can't be nominating all these guys they just signed jake you're, <laughs> you're drinking the haterade I mean, I'm looking at contracts that I'm going to want to be out of at twenty in 2022. Right. All of these, all of the deals they <laughs> signed. Can we get rid of BW Webb, Kerry Wynn? BW right. Webb deals fine. It's cheap. It is cheap. You ready well, for like, the next question, Jake? Yeah. I, I think just, we I, found five. The question is hard because it's like, well, do you get rid of guys you don't know anything about yet? Do you get rid of guys that, you know? Right. Ask me next year in February. What, I can run through this easy. I mean, doing it before a season, I think, is weird too. Because like right. they don't, they you wouldn't decide until after no. the season. You're not going to have a guy playing for your team all year who then is correct. Yeah, correct. You do this at the end of the year before free agency. Yeah. They pick, so then they can have a core that they can go and take into the draft, and they draft their players from there, and then they they show up to camp. Exactly. So yes, ask me this in February, and I can I'll give you I'll give you ten guys. We can. Yeah, Peter, let's let's come back to this one. But I do like the question because I I loved doing that in Madden. 
Yeah, it's a fun one. All right, next question from Dusty Balls. I feel like sure. Dusty's in every every mailbag we do. This isn't even a mailbag. This is just bonus bonus question answering. Bonus Dusty Balls. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I wanted to ask a football question, but now I'm just depressed. I'm sorry to hear that, Dusty. Welcome to the club. So, Horde or Alliance? Joe doesn't know what this means. First of all, Jake, I asked you if you knew what this was, and you said, yeah, World of Warcraft. And I played World of Warcraft once. For like an hour? No, I had it. I owned it. I just barely remember. Yeah, all right. It was a long time ago. Yeah, it was. When it came out, it was a very long time ago. So in in the world of Warcraft, there are like 10 or 12 races now. They've expanded it. Oh, really? And and some of them are Horde exclusive, and some of them are Alliance exclusive. Hmm. Alliance Alliance, are humans? The Alliance consists of humans, dwarves, night elves. Well, that makes sense. Lord of the uh, Rings stuff. Hobbits. This, this alien race called Draenei. I remember that. Maybe Do they one look other like uh, the alien alien predator alien? No. Never mind no. them. They're, they're pretty handsome. They're, they're oh. humanoid. They're very <laughs> humanoid. They? And then the Horde was your undead, your trolls, your orcs. Yep. Um, blood Sauron. elves. And one other... One other race I'm forgetting. Goblins now. Oh, and gnomes, gnomes were alliance. Okay. So. How do they help you in battle? Or do they help you build stuff? They're, they're you know, all races are created equal in the world of Warcraft. Ah, I see. So, so you they can have make, their, You can make it. Oh, Torin. Torin was the other one. The other the other horde race. They're like minotaurs. So what's the, the question then? Who who would you pick? Who, who horde. You all the way. Every time. Now, I played yeah. alliance once in my life and it sucked. I hated it. Really? <laughs> Who wants to be ogres and orcs? Well, I always played undead. Ah, they they looked pretty cool. They had a good they had a good racial ability too. Ratio? Racial, like racial. Every, every race gets its own ability. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, like undead could become immune to crowd control, and and that was pretty valuable in in player versus player in particular. Great. Sounds awesome. Yep, I'm ready to play. It. So next question from Stripe City. New Stripe City. Stripe City. Anyways, um, he says, rank your top three favorite breakfast cereals. I love this question because I love cereal. You you go first. I just uh, talked a bunch. Okay. My favorite cereal is Honey Bunches of Oats. Wow. And it, I like it. The almonds or I like it just the granola, whatever. Either kind is good for me. Vanilla. Um Give me honey bunch of those. My favorite. And then my next favorite is Raisin Bran Crunch. Wow, It's got a little bit of sweetness to it. I -hmm. like the granola. The raisins are good, nice and soft. The mix together, perfect. Had it this morning. After that, I'll go with the Guilty Pleasure and because those are kind of a little bit healthy, maybe kind of healthy for cereal. Um, But uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, classic. And, oh, it's a great snack late night. That's a good snack. Cereal is always a snack for me. I tend to eat cereal these days as desserts or when I'm like desperate for calories, like I need a quick carb hit or something. Sure. Just to like, I crave it. Yeah, that's like that's carbs. That's typical. You crave carbs, mm. sugar, yeah. Yeah. Right now I have a cereal called like 
I don't know. It's just some honey, not wheat cereal. It's it's made from like corn and rice and stuff. Um, honey nut Cheerios. I I just finished a box of Honey Nut Cheerios and I don't like them. I love Honey Nut Cheerios. They're too sweet. Checks Honey Nut Checks. I like uh, I like Life cereal. Oh, I love Life. Cinnamon? Life cereal, just regular Life cereal. A lot of people like the cinnamon. I do. I like and, both. But and cinnamon. and I don't I don't fault anybody for liking cinnamon, but I like the Life cereal because it's got like that one little grain of sugar in the middle of it. Oh yeah. It's probably more than one, but I always only taste, you know, like that one little grain of sugar in the middle, and that's a nice you little treat. You see it sparkling as the yeah. milk hits it. <laughs> uh, I might, and so for me, since cereal is more of a dessert than a meal, I tend to get, I mean, I, life cereal is one for sure. Um, and, and, and if I want cereal to be a meal, I get the Kashi stuff. The what? K-A-C-H-I, I think. Or K-A-S-H-I. It's like a high-protein, high It's got to be some cereal. Canadian stuff. I don't think it is. It's a health food uh, okay. cereal. High-fiber, high-protein. Uh, plant-based protein, I guess. Obviously. Uh, so that that's the healthy cereal I go to when I need it. But for the unhealthy things, Reese's Puffs. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. A, that's a nice treat. Mm-hmm. I love peanut butter and chocolate as a combination. Yep. Reese's is like every Reese candy that exists is my favorite candy. Yep, keep going. I'm close. <laughs> Blue Chew. Oh God. Oh man, Joe is an effective advertiser, guys. <laughs> oh, uh, is that three? I've talked about three cereals. Yeah. Oh okay. So that I'd works. say I'd say like life, or, life, and Reese's Reese's Puffs as my snack cereals, and and Kashi and whatever the heck I have in my grocery bag over there for for my healthier you know what i can't choices. eat anymore and the kids love it is lucky charms i was gonna say lucky charms or i was gonna guess have you had fruity pebbles lately i have not the kids get it all the time i haven't had them it, t- it tastes weird now hmm. there's like this coating that you get in your mouth from eating it just try try like a spoonful or something well they just you know if you want to shit green then you go with fruity pebbles never had that issue oh we're gonna have to put up a poll. <laughs> oh, can, we, can we not? How many of you guys deal with the same issue? Oh, can we not? Uh, Nick's there, got an iron gut. There's, there's a well. I ate a lot of Skyline growing up, so that helps. That'll do it. That that conditions you. Anyway, we'll take more questions tomorrow. More football stuff, if you want. I guess whatever you ask us about. Joe loves answering non-football questions. I do too. It's fun. Uh, so keep bringing those in. I know some of you don't care about them, so ask your football questions, and we'll talk about football too. I think we're pretty good. I at guess that. it's it's what, late June. What do you want from us? Right, this is the time to get to know us. I mean, on what we like, because once the season starts, August. I mean, really, that's it. We've got a month left here, guys, and then it's football nonstop. Actual cool. getting technical film analysis, yeah. evaluation, emotion. It's going to be fun. Until the next Marvel movie comes out and Joe's like, man, we got to do a podcast for Avengers 7, the return of Thor. Stop it. <laughs> Thor's returning? What? No, the next Marvel movie is Spider-Man. Far from home. Yeah, I'm talking, well, yeah. You're oh, you right. mean a big one, Avengers. Avengers 7, return of Thor. <laughs> it would not be called that. No, that's Now be you're being ridiculous. Name. Yeah, you're right. What am I doing? What am I doing right. with my life? Right. This anyway. is the most, that's the most ridiculous thing on this today's podcast. For sure. hundred percent.
we're gonna wrap it up there at the peak of ridiculousness that means that we're we're not gonna get back to anything productive but we will take questions tomorrow as always the podcast is located on the himalaya podcast app itunes spotify google Podcasts, etc until All next that. time Bengals fans have a good one hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.